Hello, my name is Wayne McGahey III, host of the Locked On Seminoles podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network, and we're back again for the fourth episode this week, the fourth episode overall, and I hope you've enjoyed the first three episodes as much as I've enjoyed doing them. Uh, I really appreciate all the support that I've gotten on uh, social media so far, and let's keep it rolling, but for those who don't who don't know about me, I am the Florida State beat writer for the Tallahassee Democrat. I've covered Florida State for the past four seasons. I started out as an intern with NoldDigest.com on the Scout Network, and then I worked my way up to the publisher of that site, and then I got the job with the Democrat in August of 2016, and I've been in that role ever since. I cover football, baseball, basketball, and recruiting for the Democrat, and I attend every football game, uh, home or away, bowl game, doesn't matter. I'm there. I'll be in Syracuse this weekend for Florida State's uh, game against the Orange on Saturday. And I I cover every home basketball game as well as NCAA tournament games. I was in Nashville and Los Angeles for Florida State's Elite Eight run last season. And for baseball, I cover every home baseball game as well as... um, any postseason baseball games, no matter where they may be. I was in Omaha uh, two years ago when Florida State made it out there. I also cover every major recruiting event that Florida State has, so I have a pretty a pretty good insight into what happens around the the Florida State program, and it, it, it's it's something that I can use to translate and bring to you guys. So that's just another reason for listening. Um, I feel like I do a pretty good job. I'm sure that uh, some of you disagree uh, and you're just listening for the laughs, but hey, you know, I'll take that too. But I really appreciate all the support that I've gotten on social media uh, since I started this podcast this week. And I hope that you've, uh, you know, this you, this will be a consistent podcast that you guys listen to. Um, going, going into this week, um, or today, we get to talk to Florida State head coach Willie Taggart during media availability today. We did not get practice ac- uh, practice access today, but we get to talk to Coach Taggart, and I thought he was pretty upbeat about the things that are going on, um, the things that have gone on uh, this week and how practice has gone, so that's a, that's a pretty good sign. He's happy with the energy that Florida State had. I mentioned in Tuesday's podcast that Taggart had to stop practice because the energy level wasn't high. And since that point, he's been really pleased with how uh, how the energy at practice has been, how the players have reacted to that. So that's um, you know that that's a really good sign. Uh, one of the main talking points for Taggart today during uh, during the media availability was about how the com- uh, the communication with Florida State's offensive line needs to get better, how it needs to be far better than it has been. Uh, Alec Eberly, Florida State's starting center. Uh, he started the past three seasons, said earlier this week that um, against Samford, Florida State had to, uh, he, he had no idea that Brady Scott was in the game at left tackle or right tackle until I think like the final drive. Um, and that's that's really not a good sign that he didn't know who uh, the other four guys, I mean, I'm sure he knew that the guys that were next to him um who they were because, you know, he has to work with them consistently, but he's supposed to be the leader of Florida State's offensive line unit, and we're, and he didn't know that Brady Scott was in the game. Uh, You know, that's partly because Florida State has used 10 different offensive linemen in 10 different offensive line combinations through the first two weeks of the season because of injuries and, you know, poor play and trying to find the best five that they can, that they can uh, put out there. So I think that that's a pretty, uh, 
a pretty major concern and pretty high up on Taggart's list of things that, that they have to work on. And he mentioned that um, he did stress today that he still believes that it's not a physical issue for Florida State. It's a technique and fundamentals issue. So this week they went back and they worked um, – they worked in practice and they went back and they, they're, they're working on the fundamentals and technique and trying to drive home every single little thing that, um, that they can in a short amount of time to get, get the offensive line more ready to play than they have been. Um, talked a little bit about, uh, the past few days about how, uh, Greg Fry and a and a GA have been splitting splitting duties where Coach Fry is working with four of the five position groups and the GA is off to the side working with one of um, one position. Like uh, on Tuesday, it was the left tackles. On Wednesday, it was the right tackles. Now, Coach Taggart says that they've done that a lot during um, fall camp, but I I still don't remember. And I asked you know some of the other members in the media about this if they remembered. Uh, one position being singled out just for that. And I can't remember, and nobody else could remember, just one position. There were times when uh, half of the line would be working with Coach Fry and then the other half would be working with the GA, but I can't remember an instance where one single position was doing that. So uh, the tackle positions have obviously not been great for Florida State. Landon Dickerson is out uh, indefinitely at this point with an ankle injury, which is obviously not good. He's Florida State's best offensive lineman. And Jawan Williams has not been very good at left tackle. Abdul Bello was hurt against Samford. He played all right against Virginia Tech. Brady Scott came in, did a fairly good job against Samford. Um, but they're still trying to find the best combinations there. They're working back, trying to get the fundamentals down. But I definitely thought that that was interesting. He talked about how um, it's basically it gives it, it gives the players a chance for individual attention on stuff that they're not doing well and allows them to individually work with someone rather than Coach Fry having to sit there and identify what's going on with each of the five offensive linemen all at once. So I definitely think that was smart by Florida State for them to do that. And, um, you know, I think we'll see more of that in the future as Florida State's uh, offensive line issues aren't going away. But, you know, they, they... because of the personnel that Florida State has, the offensive line issues aren't going away. But they can work and they can get better, and there's a lot of room for improvement, even with the personnel that they have. So I think that's going to, I think that's going to be a a focal point going in. We also talked to Coach Taggart about the kicking game. Ricky Aguayo was one for four to start the season. And after, uh, as we were heading out of practice yesterday, Logan Tyler was working on his field goals and. You know, he he kicked in 2016. He hasn't kicked since then, but uh, there there you know I mean maybe there's a possibility that he came he, he could come in and kick. Uh, Willie Taggart didn't exactly shoot those rumors down today, but he did say that he believes in uh, Ricky Aguayo. Said it's just some fundamental issues. Said he's in a rut right now, and he's got a you know he's it's like the football team. He's got he's got some consistency issues to work on, and he's got to fix that. So. Um, I would expect to see Ricky Aguayo out there kicking field goals for Florida State again uh, again on Saturday. Um, but I do think that uh, you know if things continue to go continue to go that way, it's not going to uh, be long before Logan Tyler gets gets his shot. Um, he also talked about how Cam Akers and Jacques Patrick have to be more patient in the running game, have to wait for things to develop, have to do a better job with that. And he says that those guys see it. Um, he said that Cam, uh, 
Cam comes up to him and talks to him after the game when they're watching, you know, after they watch film, and he's like, uh, Coach, I see exactly what you're saying. Uh, he says he's rushing it too much. Um, so they're identifying the issues that are there, and now they've just got to go out and execute and fix it. Execution has been a big talking point for Florida State um, after the first two games, and it, they're really, really focused on the little details, really focused on the little details. But there's a... Yeah, this is a as as far as the offense goes. This is you know we talked yesterday about how bad uh, Syracuse's defense. So I'm sorry, we talked uh, Tuesday about how bad Syracuse's defense and how this is a, a really you know good opportunity for Florida State to go out and get some confidence on offense because you know Syracuse's defense is not very good at all. So they're uh, they're going to have the opportunity this week to to improve on that, um, and. It, it, it should be better. They, there should be there should be some progress this week as DeAndre Francois gets continues to get more used to the offense. The offensive line maybe settles down a little bit, gets back to fundamentals and improves, and the running backs uh, continue to, I guess, or not continue to because they haven't so far, but uh, find their patience, find find the running lanes. It's all about execution for Florida State right now. And I think that uh, they should be able to find some, at least on the offensive side of the ball, against Syracuse on Saturday. Coming up later in the podcast, I'll be answering some questions um, about what Florida State, uh, about Florida State's game against Syracuse, questions submitted by the fans. If you have questions, we'll be doing this. I'll be doing a mailbag every Thursday in the second segment, so make sure you get your questions in. You can send them to at locked on or at on Seminoles. Um, it's our uh, Locked On Seminoles podcast Twitter account. It's at On Seminoles. So if you have a question that you like answered maybe next week, uh, it's a little too late to get them in now because I am obviously recording the podcast right now. But if you, um, if you get them in next week, I'll do my best to get and answer every single one of them on that mailbag. So I'd appreciate it, and, um, and we'll get into that in just a minute. But first... You know, ever since I started this podcast, people have been asking me for advice. Usually, it's what team to bet on this week. The truth is, I don't know who's going to win. But if you think you do, you got to check out my bookie. Remember, who you're betting on is just as important as who you're betting with. That's why I always tell people to bet with my bookie. Trust me, guys, they're your best bet this season. They've been in business for years, have great reviews online, and their mobile site is easy to use. Lay down some cash and win big today. My bookie will also match the match your first deposit. 100% up to $1,000. So that's just another reason to get out there and use MyBookie if you're interested in betting on uh, sports. You can use the promo code for this. It's on college, O-N-C-O-L-L-E-G-E. Now it's time to get into the mailbag portion of the podcast. And the first question comes in from Tim Flynn. Uh, how many offensive linemen is Florida State looking to sign this cycle? And Will we keep seeing guys come in closer to 350, or are they trying to get a little slimmer to help out with the cardio running tempo? Uh, Florida State's going to sign at least four offensive linemen this year. They're still looking for at least one more tackle and one more guard uh, in this cycle. Um, Florida State already has commitments from four-star offensive tackle Charles Cross and four-star offensive guard uh, Dante Lucas. Both of those are very solid commits for the Seminoles and uh, the Seminole, uh, Florida State's still looking, uh, looking to find the instant impact offensive 
offensive tackle to come in. Uh, they're having they're having some trouble right now finding uh, finding that it's it's taking. I mean, it's going to take a little time um, because this this staff was behind. You know, most of the teams were able to start 2018 recruiting back in September, and Florida State staff didn't get here until December, and then had to completely rebuild Florida State's recruiting class before signing day, and then they were able to focus. So they were they were behind. They don't have the relationships built yet. Um, you know, they're still in for some for some guys like Evan Neal out of IMG Academy, but right now Florida State trails. Florida State pretty much trails for every elite instant impact uh, tackle prospect so far. A guy like Charles Cross is going. You know, he has potential to be extremely good. He has he has the frame. You know, he, he he's athletic, but he's not he's not a guy that I believe will be able to come in and immediately play. So Florida State's still looking for for one of those guys that can come in and immediately play uh, play at tackle. Uh, at guard, Florida State's still looking good for uh, four-star guard Will Putnam. Um, he's visiting Auburn this weekend, and right now it's shaping up to be an Auburn-Florida State battle. Uh, Florida State needs to get him back on campus. He hasn't been back on campus since, I believe, June. Um, so that's a that's that's an issue for Florida State is they've got to get him back on campus. Um, but... Yeah, they they want to sign at least four, and they want at least one more uh, tackle prospect for this class. As far as you know, guys coming in closer to three fifty. Lucas is a little on the heavy side. Putnam is not. Um, he's down. Uh, he he's a little further down. And then Charles Cross is a guy who needs to get up to three hundred. So it's just it's just a matter. Of they're taking players that they think can help them win in the future. And Cross and Lucas are guys that can help them win in the future. It's just uh, you know how how far it or how long it's going to take them to get into that position. And Cross is a guy that, like I said, is going to take some time to add that weight um, in order to uh, in in order to be successful. Um, next question is also from Tim Flynn. He said Syracuse might not be the best defense, but what does their defensive line look like so far? Can we actually run on them? And the answer to that question is a resounding yes. Um, it, well, it it, it should be. Uh, it, it it should be. Florida State should be able to run on this team. Um, you know, Western Michigan absolutely lit them up in the first game uh, in the running attack. Uh, I mean, they, they Western Michigan had three rushing touchdowns and averaged 8.6 yards per carry. They were in for 242 yards. Um, Syracuse won that game 55 to 42, but they could not stop the Western Michigan offense. Florida State has a little bit more talent, and by a little bit, I mean a lot more talent than Western Michigan has. So the Seminoles should be able to do a little bit better better job. Um, Running the football this week, there's a the, Syracuse has a very good defensive tackle, McKinley Williams. But other than that, I mean, it's it's pretty bare. Florida, I mean, their front seven is is not very good, and it's one of the weaknesses of that defense. And there's, I mean, there's there's a lot of weaknesses on that defense um, right now. But the front seven might be the biggest one for them. Their linebackers are are really not good. Um, so Florida State should be able to run the football. They should be able to find some success, build a little confidence, and I think that's going to be absolutely huge going forward. Um, <clears throat> the next question, uh, we're getting a lot of offensive line questions. I mean, that's just going to be the way it is until Florida State's offensive line improves. Comes from Noah. 
Do you think the play calling is limited or restricted due to the lack of quality offensive line play? Yes, 100% yes. Um, Willie Taggart has said that he's got to do a better job of calling plays around Florida State's offensive line to help them out because right now they're struggling. And, you know, it's it's limiting what Florida State's able to do. It's limiting Florida State's ability to throw the ball downfield. It's limiting Florida State in the running game. It's basically limiting the entire Florida State offense, and that really affect, uh, affects Willie Taggart's uh, play calling and what he's confident in calling because there's certain plays that he would like to get out and run, but he can't um, because just of the way the Florida State offensive line is playing. So I, I 100% uh, think that um, the play calling has been limited um, through the first two weeks, I do think that it was more limited against Sanford as Willie Taggart figured out just, uh, you know, how badly the offensive line was playing. He, he had to adjust, and I think he did a better job of adjusting against Sanford than he did against Virginia Tech, but that's something that I think he's going to have to continue to adjust because, you know, like I said, I don't think the offensive line issues are going away anytime soon. Um our good friend Bryce Aroni. Bryce is back and asks me to pick uh, every week. He asks me to pick an obscure, obscure college football game, um, and this week it's Tulane UAB, and I'm going with the uh, the Green Wave. Um, you know, they they almost beat Wake Forest in the season opener. I think uh, they they actually look pretty good. They probably should have won that game. Um, and I know UAB is the, the Cinderella story, not really Cinderella story, but the feel-good story of college football after having their um, program disbanded and then come back. But t- Tulane, uh, Tulane, I think, is just going to end up being a better team. Um, and I, I, th- I don't think it's, you know, I, th- I think uh, Tulane, t- Tulane's going to get them. Um, but... So there you go, Bryce. I'll see you again next week with your obscure, uh, obscure game question. But um, the next uh, and final final question comes from T. Will. Why do you believe, why do you think the offensive line recruiting misses have been so bad? Well, when you go back and look at it, Florida State's 2016 offensive line class was heralded as you know like <laughs> uh, it, it, the best recruiting offensive line recruiting class. You know, in in recent Florida State memory, and it was one of the best in the country. You had Landon Dickerson, Babyon Johnson, Josh Ball, Jawan Williams, and I think there was one more, Mike Arnold. So, uh, Florida State brought in five offensive linemen. Four were um, were four star recruits. Now let's look at what happened. Josh uh, or Landon Dickerson. Started as a freshman, two season-ending injuries, and he's out for an extended period of time this year. Injuries. Babyon Johnson cannot snap the football. Um, really struggling uh, as far as that goes. Still hasn't been able to snap it. He tore his ACL, uh, so he's been dealing with. He, you know, he dealt with an injury last year. Was out all last season. He can't. He struggled to snap the football. Um, he's been working in at guard a little bit. He's probably one of the first uh, first guards to come in after that. Josh Ball, uh, we all know what happened with him. He was uh, he, he was removed from the team, and Juwan Williams has started at, at left tackle, but he's just I mean he just hasn't developed and hasn't been very good. He also had a major shoulder injury that kept him from being able to play, and like it was so severe that there were questions about whether he would ever be able to play again. 
So, you know, combination of injuries, Josh Ball being removed from the university, and, I mean, it's that's really it. I mean, it's just the the way that um, things have fallen. It's just been a, it's been a whole lot of bad luck for Florida State. In the next segment, but uh, that's, that's all for the mailbag, but in the next segment, I'm going to get into my ACC power rankings and just where things stand in the, in the conference. That's something else that we're going to be doing every Thursday preview, you know, and talking about some of the, the big games, um, around the conference and just where things stand with Florida state inside the conference. But before we get into that, the wait's over, football's here, and that means it's fantasy football season, and FanDuel has never been more fun or easier to play. If you're not a fantasy expert, then FanDuel is clearly the best place to play for you. FanDuel has something for everyone, and there are more ways to win than ever before. You know, I enjoy playing fantasy football. It's something that you know I do to you know pa- to really pass the time, and I also enjoy playing with my friends. And FanDuel's made that much easier than ever before. You can go head to head with your friends. I you know I enjoy um, I enjoy winning and I enjoy bragging. And you know if you're playing against a stranger, you know what are you going to do? You're going to brag to you know brag to them about that or make fun of them for. Uh, for the way that their uh, their lineup set up, no, you're gonna you want to do that with friends, and uh, FanDuel's made that so much easier to do uh, this season. But FanDuel is also offering a new New Year's twenty dollar bonus when they make their first deposit on FanDuel. So make sure to check out FanDuel.com and uh, and check it out if you're interested in fantasy football. But jumping back into it, it's time for our ACC power rankings, and this week's uh, you know we're still we're still early in the season, but uh, you know right now if if we're talking about the the cream of the crop of the ACC, it is obviously Clemson, even though they stumbled a little bit against uh, Texas A and M, which is a little concerning for them. They they had Clemson down, but didn't put the foot uh, put the foot down and in the game early, and Texas A and M was able to come back. In the coastal Virginia Tech, uh, they beat Florida State, and right now they're uh, they're sitting pretty in the coastal, especially with the way Miami looked against LSU. So Virginia Tech's probably the top team in the coastal right now. Uh, some other teams that I actually believe in, um, or, or one team that I that I believe in that I'm going to have in in the third spot that I think is going to be really good this year is Boston College. AJ Dillon is an absolute monster. That defense is rolling. I think this is the year that uh, that Boston College, you know, finishes uh you know, with maybe might might get to 10 wins. I mean, this is a very very good Boston College team and I think that they're probably you know, if they're not the third like second best team ahead of Virginia Tech because I'm you know as badly as Florida State played I'm still not sold on Virginia Tech that offense wasn't very good and I think that Boston College might be the second best team in the ACC right now uh after that it's there's a there's a serious drop off for pretty much everybody I mean uh at you know it, it, <laughs> you've got Syracuse whose defense gave up 42 points to to Western Michigan. You've got NC State, who's in a dogfight with an FCS team like Florida State was. You have Wake Forest, who almost lost to Tulane. You have Louisville, who absolutely got slacked by Alabama. 
you know, you've got Duke who lost their starting quarterback. You have Georgia Tech who lost to USF. You have Pittsburgh who got absolutely blasted by Penn State. You have Virginia who's still not very good. And then you have North Carolina who is pro- might be the worst team in the conference. So overall, you have three pretty good teams in the ACC this year, uh, kept, you know, with Clemson at the top, and then you have some really, really, really bad teams in the ACC. Um, you know, capped off or at the bottom with with North Carolina. Uh, I mean, that team just got blasted by ECU. Blasted by ECU. I I don't understand how that happens. Like, how how do you lose forty one to nineteen to an ECU team that I mean that that lost to an FCS team the week before. They lost to North Carolina and T. 28 to 23 and then blasted North Carolina 41 to 19. I mean, I honestly I thought Larry Fedora was going to get fired uh after that game. That was I mean, it was just so uh, it, it, that was ridiculous. Um but the ACC obviously being affected uh by Hurricane Florence and anybody in the Carolinas, um, you know, Virginia area, southern Georgia, if um you know, if you're listening to this and you're in the path of the hurricane, I would urge you to to evacuate if you're if there's been calls for you to do so. Um, when the hurricane rolled through Tallahassee last year, I have a, a one year old, no, a one and a half year old. He was about six months old last year when the when the hurricane rolled through Tallahassee, and we we evacuated. Ended up losing power. Uh, for a few days before and then got it right as we came back but I would urge you guys to to evacuate and just pay heed to all of that um, but the storm is also going through and uh, it's 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 already caused some cancellations for games East Carolina Virginia Tech's been canceled West Virginia NC State's been canceled UCF North Carolina has been canceled that's probably a good thing for North Carolina because after losing 41 and 19 to ECU you really don't want to have to uh, get embarrassed by UCF in uh in for the second straight week um <clears throat> But there, you know, there are some interesting games this week. Starting, you know, we Florida State Syracuse is probably going to be one of the good ones tonight. Um, Boston College takes on Wake Forest, so that that actually should be a, a pretty fun game. We're going to see, you know, Boston College. I think Boston College is going to end up winning um, fairly handily. Um, the line is only Boston College by six. I think that they're going to easily cover that against Wake Forest. Um, you know. Clemson, Georgia Southern has been moved up to noon. I'm not sure why that game is still being played because they are directly in the path of Florence, if I'm if I'm not mistaken. And then Miami, big old Miami, heads to powerhouse Toledo to play a game in Toledo. Miami is playing at Toledo. The jokes write themselves. Uh, Georgia Tech and Pittsburgh uh, play at 12:30. The you know the the winner moves up a little bit. The loser goes you know right to the bottom next to next to North Carolina in the misery index. Duke and Baylor should actually be a pretty fun game. Baylor's favored in that game, but Duke uh, David Cutcliffe is such a good coach. I think that that one could uh, could end up being pretty close. Uh, Louisville Western Kentucky Western Kentucky is one of the worst teams in the country, and Louisville is favored by twenty three. Uh, that's that's all the games from the ACC this week, um, but tomorrow when we come back for the final edition of the uh, Locked On Seminoles podcast for the week, I will have my 
my prediction. I will have the three players to watch, and we'll be discussing what needs to happen for Florida State to win the game against Syracuse. So make sure you come back for Friday's episode of the Locked On Seminoles podcast. I really appreciate you guys taking the time to listen, and I hope that you'll take and uh, you enjoy it as much as I'm. I've enjoyed doing it. I hope that uh, you'll take in whatever podcast site that you use, you'll subscribe and continue to listen. All the support has been great, and I really hope you guys continue to support. Uh, But for the Locked on Seminoles podcast, I'm Wayne McGahee. Thanks for listening.